Well, as Pastor Jake said about all the little babies we see in everybody's arms here and there, we've been talking about um, how blessed this church is to have such a blessing from the Lord with all these children in our church. And we would like to reintroduce the dedication service for children. So if you would be interested in having a child dedicated, please speak to Pastor Jake or myself. We'd really love to do that in a part of our service. So let us know on that. As Pastor Jake said, this is uh, an interesting uh, passage to take, and it's in 1 Timothy chapter 5. We're going to be looking through verses 17 to 25. But before you turn there, I'd like you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 21. That's 2 Peter 1 verse 21. And I'd like you all to see this in your own Bible, so as you can understand as we teach through the Bible... What is it that we're teaching here? And the verse says, For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. So we're teaching from the Word of God. This is God's Word helping us teach you the Word of God, to understand it and to be able to use it, to apply it, to live the life that God requires us to live So as we look through the passages in the weeks to come, please be reminded of this. It's very important. And over this time we've going through this chapter, we see that Timothy is having some problems with the elders in these next passages in Ephesus. But as I looked looked over and read over it over and over again, I thought, imagine how hard it must be for Timothy too to fill those shoes. Paul set up this church and these elders, and now Timothy was being told to lead them. But he has a great mentor to help him through this. So let's take a look at these scriptures. I want you to read through the scriptures with me up on the screen here. Oh my. Can anybody read that? Well, I had the privilege of meeting one of our missionaries who came on Thursday. He apologized, uh, Tim and Carol Sissel, that they couldn't come on Sunday uh, to tell you about their mission. But this is what he does. He works for Whitecliffe Bible Translators. They're missionaries of ours. You support him. I know some of you have adopted them as their missionary. But we had a great lunch. And this is the passage we're going to read from in our Bibles in a Mexican language. Isn't that amazing? When God said he would scatter the people and give them different languages. Look at that. And how do people get to translate that? When I heard Tim give his testimony... When God started to call him into this ministry, it was amazing. It's an absolute amazing call. Look at the characters. Just for the letter A. 657 unique characters. And this is one of the pages they use to work through the words, to try and find the exact word, to help these people have the word of God in their own hands, to read it and teach their people and their children and family too. And we're a part of this. And God is gifting people to be able to do this. He was saying how young the families are that are down there and trying to translate, trying to get talking with the people, building up relationships, trying to find the right words to match in their their language. 126 New Testaments published since 1951. That's through this great nation of America. Men and women following their call on their lives to be obedient, to go out and to serve the Lord, to reach, to, be, to disciple, 
So it's important to remember our missionaries, to be in prayer with them. There they are there. Tim and Carol have been married 40 years and serving in Mexico. He does the computer support. He had a picture of his office with all the screens around him. And he can link up with anyone. He uses Skype and another thing called Paratext and stuff like that. And he can help them wherever they are in the world translating a language from his office at home. Isn't that amazing? So when we frown upon all this technology, it also has a great use. He says it's, it's speeded up things so much more than he's ever seen to be able to do this. And then as I thought about it and the experience I had listening to his story and, and been back to my notes, it made me think about when Jesus was walking with his disciples here on earth. And he said to them in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, And Jesus said to him, I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail. What do you think went through those disciples' minds? There's only 12 of them. I will build my church. Well, take a look around at the world today from that time. What a statement he made, but how do you think those disciples were able to handle that and figure that out? And then in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power with the Holy Spirit as it come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, Samaria, and even to the outer remotest parts of the earth. Can you imagine those disciples looking at one another, looking back at Jesus and thinking, What is he saying? The furthest I've been is 30 miles from my town. What is the remotest parts of the earth? How do you think they understood that? And that's what made me think about trying to help you understand that the the words that are recorded in the Bible, these people were moved by the Spirit of God to record them. It was before their time. And when you look at now, around the world today with the church, God has been building His church. This is God's church. This is where He's at work in your hearts and minds and souls. So it's important to understand the Word of God and look deeply into it. I think about what went through those disciples over and over and how they were trying to think about this and talk about why was Jesus saying these difficult things to understand. And so when you're looking at the Word of God today, it's all there, the whole story to the end. It should give you a sense of urgency when you look around at people that don't know the Word of God, don't know the truth, don't even have a Bible in their home. So it is, I want to thank you all for, from Tim and Carol for supporting them, getting behind their ministry. It is a great ministry there. So thank you very much. So let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we thank you so much that the word is there for us to glean from, to live our lives according to your will, to bring glory to your name. We thank you for Tim and Carol and the many other missionaries, even Kayla who went to Haiti, responding to the call to serve you in a mighty way. It's through Christ that we can do all things. We thank you so much for this, and we ask that your Spirit would fill me this morning as I open the Word now in English, and we are able to look at this and get an understanding of the church elders. Help me to be clear in this, and that I would speak your truth in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of you might remember when uh, Dr. Judd Martin was speaking last week, he was... uh, relating to the pastor's role, and he related that to a donkey. And that donkey was so cool, 
carrying Jesus on his back, taking him into Jerusalem. And that donkey might have been thinking, wow, look how cool I am. All these people are shouting for joy and singing Hosanna and laying their coats down for me and the palm branches. Man, I'm a cool donkey. But it really is not the donkey. It was Jesus Christ. And he was saying the pastor is the guy that is representing Jesus Christ is to teach you about the one we should really be worshipping. So I'm okay being related to a donkey. I can smile about that. And after the installation, he was standing up next to me at the back wall. So when I got off my knees, I walked up to him. I said, thanks very much. Everyone will remember me as the donkey in your story. So, But it's true. We are to be servants of Jesus Christ and to serve one another in a, in a, in a right manner to help each other there. So let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 5. Verse 17 and 18, if you read in your Bibles with me. The elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. The New King James Version really, for me, spoke stronger. It said, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Because that's what it is. It is a labor of words. To really make sure we understand what's been recorded here to be able to present it to you in a worthy way. When I thought about this passage and, and as I looked into it deeper, how many people, how many pastors in their church avoid this? They skip it. But like Dr. John Martin said last week, in this church we, we preach expositorily. We go verse by verse. We don't just leave out portions that would be difficult to understand. And so when I was sitting in the pew when he was speaking last week, I was like, come on, you've got to get past this, get to chapter 6 for me. And he left me there. But as I studied and thought about it, the Lord just reminded me of where I was before I'm standing here today. I used to sit in the pew. And I really thought a pastor had a cool job. He only had three hours on a Sunday or four hours on a Sunday. And the rest of the time, I don't know what he got up to. But this is, this is it here, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. To really understand it, to be able to allow the Holy Spirit to get into you and teach you these words, the understanding of these words, and to make it, it come out in the right way that's worthy to God. But this church, as I thought about it, and as I've observed for three years here, how this church has dealt with their pastors, Pastor Dan and Pastor Jake, I commend this church highly. You do take care of them. I've observed this in many different ways. I've seen how people understand and respect their pastor and as well as the Word of God. These are timeless principles and commands that we need to follow. This is something you have to read and understand and apply it to your life. I've also observed through this the fruit of the Spirit, as in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. As I thought about what I've felt in this church, what I've seen happening in this church, I've seen there is love. There's abundance of love here. If you would allow yourself to be loved and to meet like our meet and greet time, you will be loved here without a share of a doubt. There's compassion here. There's kindness. There's gentleness. There's patience. There's goodness. There's faithfulness. And there's joy and peace too. And we do rally behind each other. And to be able to do that and be able to see that happening, you've taken care of your pastors very well so that they can teach the truth comfortably. Look with me at verse 18. For the scriptures says, 
You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing, and the laborer is worthy of his wages. You shall not is a command. But I love these words, for Scripture says. I love that because it shows you how uniquely these Scriptures have come together. The whole Bible is put together and is used here by Paul as well. These words are first used by Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 25, verse 4, addressing the nation of Israel on how to handle different circumstances and how to live a life that is holy before a holy God. And that is for us too. So as you can see, I was related to a donkey and now to an ox. You should not muzzle the ox. And I looked at that and thought about the time in Deuteronomy that he was teaching this. And the law was simple there to help them understand the humane treatment of animals. In those days, the grain was broken by these oxen walking round and around, trampling them. But it would be cruel for them to not be able to eat of the grain that they were grinding up. And I saw this a lot in Africa and uh, didn't realize today in the modern technology, as Sam was teaching me there, you have the machinery today that goes along, cuts up the corn, puts it in the back and takes the kernel off right there and then. But today in Africa, it's a laboring work. It's intense. These animals are huge, and they need a lot of energy to do that too. And it takes a lot of energy for the pastors here to prepare the Word of God and to lead this church. And continue with that, I'd like you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at verses 8 through 14. And most of you know how I encourage you to read the whole Bible. Every year, stay in the Word. Be in the journey with God as He's teaching you through the Word. You see how the Bible cross-references a lot of what you read to give you better understanding of what you need to know about your journey. Follow along with me in verse 8. It says, I am not speaking these things according to human judgment, am I? Or does not the law also say these things? For it is written in the law of Moses, You shall not muzzle the ox while he is threshing. God is not concerned about oxen, is he? Or is he speaking altogether for our sake? Yes, for our sake. It was written, Because the plowman ought to plow in hope, and the thresher to thresh in hope of sharing the crops. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? If others share the right over you, do we not more? Nevertheless, we did not use the right but we endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat food of the temple and those who attend regular to the altar have their share from the altar? So also the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to get their living from the gospel. And I've seen that this church does take care of their leaders and it allows them to be in the presence of the God with without compromising the gospel, without getting concerned about the worldly things around. And it is because of the way you take care of them. So in 1 Corinthians and 1 Timothy 5.18, Paul applied the principle to the minister's right to be supported by people of the church. The word of God is teaching timely truths concerning the church and must be read by every Christian who is interested in being pleasing and a servant to the Lord. To see God's church fulfill its purpose for this age. We ought to know the, what the word of God says. And that's where I lacked many times sitting in the pew. I didn't understand what my role was toward the pastor. 
what was I supposed to do? I didn't read this. I would skip past this part because it didn't concern me. It does concern us. It very much does. The local church grows through the ministry of the Word of God. Paul told Timothy to be sure the leaders were paid adequately on the basis of their ministry. And, and he quoted Old Testament. So some people I've met, they don't read the Old Testament anymore. You should. It's all uniquely intertwined for your good. He even refers to Luke chapter 10, verse 7. Paul equated the words from Christ, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Very important. And now I'd just like to quote this scripture too as we move on to another delicate part of verses 19 and 20. It says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, for rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Listen to those powerful words in those, in those verses there. And that verse came up to my mind as I was praying about how do I look into 19 and 20 and because what I could see, these verses were the purpose of discipline but also restoration. And I thought, well, how am I going to look into that? And the Lord just reminded me again, all scriptures God breathed and is useful teaching and rebuking. So the word of God would help me find exactly what I need in a time like this if I was to face this. So verse 19, if you read along with me, it says, Do not receive an accusation against an elder except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin rebuke in the presence of all so that the rest also will be fearful of sinning. Strong words, but he's teaching Timothy. He's preparing him that these things can happen to him and can happen to us here as leaders of this church. Fear of sinning. Fearful. We're reminded over and over in the Word of God to fear the Lord. A lot of people don't understand that because they're not reading the whole context of the Word of God. It's very important to understand why he would say that because it's that awe, that respect to coming before the Lord and the duty that you've been called to do. Do you do it in respect of the Lord and honoring of Him? Paul in this passage discussed the discipline of church leaders. And this is so sad if this does come about because it has such an impact on the flock and for people and for the community around. But it is something that has happened and I've seen churches handle this in really good ways and some not so good ways. Paul cautions Timothy, be sure of the facts, have witnesses. The importance of and how to handle discipline is outlined in so many scriptures in the Bible, starting in Deuteronomy 19.15, Matthew 18.16, 2 Corinthians 13.1, and many more. So I was, as I was thinking through that, if I was to face something like that, how would I do it? And the Lord just took me through all these verses, that it's all there and how to go about it. Whoever makes an accusation against an elder must be supported by the witnesses and the witnesses should be there at the same time as the accusation as well. It made me think about what James recorded in the scriptures. In James chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the whole entire body 
and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. We have to be very careful what we hear and what we say too to other people. If an elder or leader is guilty, then he should be rebuked before all the other leaders. There should be an opportunity for the leader to repent and then there should be forgiveness and the matter closed. Verse 21, if you look with me in your Bible at verse 21, it says, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and of his chosen angels to maintain these principles without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. I solemnly charge you, I command you, I caution you. And look at how he's, he's really serious about what he is teaching here. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus. Very important matter to be handled in a very special way. Each member has the same standing before God. And it's important that we handle the word of God correctly, without partiality. Verse 22, it says, Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily and thereby share responsibility for their sins of others. Keep yourself free from sin. This is a very important thing, and I thought about how we elect deacons and elders and how we go about thinking about involving people in our lives. It made me think about when I was in business, how I got at one point unequally yoked at that time. And the Lord reminded me of Acts chapter 1, verse 24. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all men. They prayed. It's very important how we seem to be encouraged by the Lord over and over about praying and trusting His decision, trusting what He will say to you. They prayed and they said, Lord, you know the hearts of all men. I was at a, a um, Camp Rock banquet. I was listening to the speaker there, Art. Um, and as he went on through his presentation, I was putting dots on the program. Every time he brought up the word pray, prayed, praying. I think I got up to about 18 dots. He has a serious understanding of the power of prayer. And it is important. When we face difficulties, how do you handle it? I had a man come in. He heard that this church was a house of prayer on a Tuesday. As he drove past, he turned around and came in. He came into the, into the sanctuary here. And then came through and found me in the office. I didn't have any idea he was coming in to do that. I thought he was coming to visit me. So he unloaded his burden on me and we shared. And I said, you know, you've got to pray. You've really got to take this to prayer. And he said, well, that's what I came to do. I prayed. I went into the church and prayed. I said, oh, you prayed? Well, no, I didn't. So what happened? He said, well, that's why I came to see you. Because as I sat down, I realized I have no idea how to pray. How do you pray? I was shocked. I was like, oh my. He doesn't know how to pray and he's in a really difficult situation now and he's trying to seek God with all his heart. Prayer has died away for some reason. I don't understand why, but it's very important for us to pray because through prayer we get a lot of discernment from the Lord and wisdom as well. The church needs spiritual wisdom and guidance. Some people's sins are clearly seen, but others they're hidden. But if we take it to prayer... We trust in the Lord's guidance. He will give us the discernment and understanding on how to handle these things. Warren Worsby wrote, Thorough investigation and preparation period to be certain of a man's qualifications, as outlined in chapter 3 of Timothy, 
Uh, we've already been through one through seven. There's the qualifications there for a deacon and an elder and a pastor and also their wives. We need to read those things and look at it. Do you know, many years ago when I was studying through the Bible, always studying through the Bible, when I got to that section and I thought, saw how this was deacons and elders, but as I read those qualifications, I desired to have that because if you read those, every man in this room should want to live his life like that. It's expected of you, actually. What is the will of my life? A lot of men ask me. Oh, the Bible teaches you everything of his will. But just in that, in that chapter there, how, how do you tick off the boxes? How are you doing on all of those points as a man in your family, in your home? Because you are a leader in your home. You're a leader wherever you are, and you represent Jesus Christ. The Word of God has got all the answers we need. Look with me at verse 23. This is a tough one for some of you that here. We'll look at it and think I'm going to be giving you permission. No longer drink water excessively, exclusively, sorry, but use a little wine for the sake of your stomach and your frequent elements. This is not giving you permission to be a social drinker. This is not, I'm not saying, oh, you read that and, oh, we could have a bit of wine with lunch today. No, no, it's not. And we're not too sure. I tried to find as much as I could about what was wrong with Timothy. What was he going through at that time? And there's nothing there. We can speculate a little bit on that. But his main thing here is Paul was concerned about his health. Either it was the water he was drinking or the pressure he was under and he was anxious and and, uh, also thought about the shoes he had to fill. You know, with Paul, that's his church. And now he's taking that over. It could have been a load of different things. And also when I traveled through Europe... People drink wine instead of water there. Water is contaminated. It's really hard to find good, clean water. And I was in the water treatment business, and they have the worst water to treat, to try and find the right elements to treat water. So over there, wine is something they drink instead of water, but it's not something that you should look into. Ephesians 5.18, just to show you that, it says, Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Proverbs 20, verse 1 says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink, a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. And there's many more verses. I did a study on drinking for a guy in Ireland that just loved his Guinness. They sell it by the pint there, and he could drink gallons of this and come to work and think he was fine. And you had to take ten steps back when he spoke to you. And one day I sat him down and I said, Do you, do you not know that this is wrong? You go to Mass every day, you go to church, and yet you drink so much alcohol. He says, well, that's not in the Bible. I said, oh, let's take a look, sit down. Started looking up the verses about where God has recorded about the warnings about drink and started showing it to him and saying, read this. What does that say to you? And he couldn't believe God speaks about drink. It destroys families. It's not a good thing. And he got to a point right at the end after about ten verses What do I do? What do I do to get God's strength to stop me drinking as much as I do? So stay away from the drink. Let's look at verses verses 24 and 25. The sins of some men are quite evident going before them to judgment. For others, their sins follow after. Likewise, also deeds deeds that are good are quite evident, and those which are otherwise cannot be concealed. 
In other words, the church must carefully investigate the lives of their leaders, the potential leaders, and make sure nothing is seriously wrong with them, that they do meet the criteria. The Bible contains all the scriptures that are required for the church to operate correctly. But not only that, it has all the scriptures for you to operate your life correctly. How to be a good husband, wife, children. How to take care of your children. The word of God is so detailed for you to live your life correctly. And remember what I said earlier. Jesus said, I will build my church. You've gathered together to hear the word of God. He has given us instructions in the scriptures telling us how to live our lives. And from that point to help others around us. How much are we doing of that? To reach out to our neighbors and friends. That is a life filled with love for one another. A life filled with a sense of urgency for our neighbors and friends. At the moment I'm teaching through this My Hope Billy Graham and the date of the address will be November the 7th on his birthday. Billy Graham will be turning 95 on November the 7th. His heart and his passion and he said to his son, I want to do this one more time. I want to address the nation of America with the gospel. I'd encourage you to look into it. Look online. This is America. This is where God's presence is at work. Join him. Get involved with what he's doing. Think about your families, neighbors, friends, work colleagues, your employees. Put them down on a prayer card and start praying for them. Praying that because you love them. Because you want to see a change. A life that has meaning is purposeful. That is honoring to God and respectful to Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. Each of us have an amazing testimony like Tim. When God called him to surrender it all, give it all up and go. And look at the work he's doing here. God wants the whole world, the outer ends of the earth, to know about him. We have people right here, right here in this community, don't know Jesus Christ personally as their personal Savior. They're young people, yeah, have no idea about Jesus Christ. So in closing, I wanted to ask you to ask yourselves these four things. Are you growing in the Word of God? Are you growing in your personal life with, with your walk with God? Are you making the changes to your life so to your life to what the scriptures have recorded for men and women? Are you standing firm on the truth? And this is going to be something really big as time goes on. We're going to be challenged. Your nation has been challenged all the time to take anything to do with God out of the picture. I was in court um, supporting a lady with Linda and the witness got up and the judge just said, raise your right hand. Will you say the truth? Yep. Okay, sit down. What's that? Where's the Bible gone? I couldn't believe I was shocked. What's the right hand for? Made me think I'm left-handed, so... How does that work if I'm working with my left hand all the time? I was just so disappointed that God's not in your courts anymore. And the, and the other one is, are you praying? Are you really, really praying? Because praying brings change. You see God at work. And he knows your heart too as you're praying. And if there's somebody here or some people here and been listening to this, I want to ask you, what about you? What about you right now? Where do you stand? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? 
Do you want to follow his lead? Do you want your life to be transformed and changed? Because it's very simple. Jesus will meet you right where you are. He met Linda and I right where we were and changed our lives. It's the truth. It does happen. Do you know how important each day is? Dr. Judd Martin last week brought up something that really hit me right in the pew. was In the New Testament, it talks about today, not tomorrow. Today. I went back the whole week. I've been pondering on on that. Look through the scriptures. It's today, right now. So what do the scriptures say if you're sitting here right now and you don't know where you're at with the Lord but you're feeling a tugging in your heart? Romans chapter 10, verses 8 through 10 says, The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Now is the time, today, Today is very, very important. This week I went to a funeral with Pastor Jake, with the ladies that were involved in that accident, to Jennifer Jones's funeral. This is a picture of her. This was really hard for me because when I listened about this lady, she matches my Linda. She does know the Lord and she's going to be with the Lord, but how's this family going to get through this if they're not praying? If, can you imagine if they didn't know the Lord? Anything can happen at any time. We don't understand why. We don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. But I know who does. God does. But we need to come before the Lord. We need to know Him personally to be able to get through this journey with Him. Will you bow your heads as we close in prayer? Father, today is the day that you have made it. I pray, Lord, that if there's people here this morning that feel a tugging in their heart, to want to know you personally, they want their life to be transformed into a life that is worthy of you. Lord, what you did on the cross is very, very important, and you did it for each one of us, for our sins. So, Lord, help us to understand. And as the scriptures say, if we confess with our mouth that you are Lord, and believe in, your, in our hearts that God raised you from the dead. You say we will be saved. Jesus, please, I know that you stand at the door and knock. And I pray people here would open their hearts to receive you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.